wanted to tell you good morning. Welcome uh, to this celebration uh, for the life of Lorraine Thrasher. Uh, we are so glad that uh, each of you could be here today. On behalf of the family, I want to say thank you to all of uh, the, the friends who expressed your kindness and concern in so many different ways. Uh, thank you so much for the support uh, for this family in this time. And family, I want to say that I am honored and pleased uh, to be here today uh, to take part in this service. I want to, uh, at this time, let's begin our service in a word of prayer. Would you bow with me? Heavenly Father, we come before you and we recognize, uh, Lord, that, that today uh, we understand that uh, for Miss Thrasher, uh, there is no more pain, no more suffering, no more sorrow. Lord, we grieve um, for our loss, but Father, she has gained. Lord, we ask that you'd be with us now, and especially with this family during this service, as we celebrate Miss Thrasher's life. God, we pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
to read to you a uh, good portion of uh, this beautiful obituary. In quotes, I believe if you think about it, you will see that I am right. By the way, the Apostle Paul said something very similar to that. Having lived a full life over the last 99 years, Mary Lorraine Thrasher had more than a little insight worth sharing. And now that we think about it, we admit that she was, in fact, generally right. Her wisdom is but one of many things that will be sorely missed. Ms. Thrasher died March 10th, 2017, surrounded by her family. Born August 11th, 1917, in Pickens County, Alabama, to Nolan and Annie Pearl Hughes Pridmore, she married Robert Patton Thrasher Sr. Together, they made their home in the New Hope community of Columbus, Mississippi, where by all accounts she was the proverbial wife raising six children who would later give her 71 grandchildren. Ms. Thrasher attributed her longevity to good, clean, hard living. I didn't dip, chew, smoke, or cuss. <laughs> she worked hard, loved harder, and enjoyed more than a few laughs in between. In addition to raising a family and farming the land to help provide for them, she worked at Seminole and Benecki and Columbus and later at New Hope School where she was known for making the best rolls the cafeteria had ever seen and perhaps slipping extras to her favorites. From showing others how to can green beans produced in her garden, holding a quilting class here at Bersheba Cumberland Presbyterian Church where she was an active member for many years, or divulging secrets on how to make the perfect icing for her famous coconut cake, Ms. Thrasher was a teacher at heart. A natural conversationalist with quick wit and a keen sense of humor, she could roll out biscuits or fried apple pies while simultaneously curing the ills of the world from her kitchen table. 
And while not one to mince her words, her off-shared godly wisdom was always paired with relentless love. Being the matriarch of six generations was not a responsibility Miss Thrasher took lightly. She remembered each and every birthday, favorite meals and hobbies, shared pastimes and life's milestones. Her door was always open and often revolving to guests. And when she wasn't visiting or off on an adventure, she was likely on the phone checking in and staying in touch. Whether she answered to someone by Loreen, Mama, Grandmama, Mama, Ms. Thrasher, Aunt Renee, sister, friend, likely calling them all honey in return, she had a gift for making each of her family members and friends feel special and uniquely loved. In addition to her parents and her husband, the Thrasher is now reunited with her brother, Preston Pridmore, grandchildren Anne House, Pat Gore, and J.J. Witten, and sons-in-law Junior Parker, Ray Gilden, and Edward Witten. She is survived by her children, Neely Gilden, Buddy Thrasher, Shirley Nance, Lenata Martinko, Angie Witten, and Tammy Burgess, brother Hubert Pridmore, Sisters Ruth Pons and Atlas Boyer, grandchildren Pam Galloway, Marshall Thrasher, Bobby Thrasher, Deborah Hampton, Mike Parker, Teresa Evans, Melissa Harmon, Ronnie Marcinko, Christy Hill, Patton Witten, Salitha Holfield, and Drew Witten. 29 great-grandchildren, 27 great-great-grandchildren, one great-great-great-grandchild, and a host of nieces, nephews, family, and friends. Would you stand together with me, and if you need to, turn to page 502. Amazing Grace, you probably already know it, but if you need it, page 502. Let's sing together. Then when we 
hope each of all will bear with me. I hope I make it through this. Um, I'd just like to thank each of you for coming today and sharing and putting our mother to her final resting place. I know each of you loved her, as we do. Just wanted to give you a little bit of the, the history of the life that she had. She had a hard life, but she never let it, it bother her. She was always optimistic and had a, uh, a wonderful insight on, on her life and everybody else's. She was born in a time when life was hard for everybody. And as a child of four or five years old, she started doing the, the cleaning of how she washed dishes. Um, and that doesn't mean going to a sink and turning on a faucet. There had to be water drawn from the well and brought in. And if it was heated water, it had to be heated on a wooden stove, which also required more than just putting it on the stove. Um, she, she took over those household sh uh, chores. And then at six years old, she started milking four cows with my grandfather every day, twice a day. That was her job. So that little bit of information was just to tell you that she didn't have much of a childhood. She, she grew up fast. Then she married my father later on in life and, and had children of her own. And the work didn't stop. Uh, my oldest si sister took care of the younger children. She didn't, a baby herself, she, they would go to the fields and um, mother would put a quilt out under a shade tree. And uh, of course, you know, you didn't have a four-wheeler or things to take things to those fields and Lord only knows how far they had to walk to get to them. But they took whatever they needed until the time they came to the house. And, you know, their tools that they had to have for in the spring, it would be chopping cotton, and of course in the fall, it would be picking cotton, uh, which was the main crop. But uh, they would put those children on that quilt, and it was Neely's job to watch, watch the kids. As I said, she was just a baby herself, but they took those things with them. Anyhow, um, I just wanted you guys to know how hard that her life was. That was not an easy life. In today's standards, I'm pretty sure we would all just throw up our hands and run off. But she managed to, to get through that, and she's, as I said, she's always had such a, a wonderful outlook on life. It never made her bitter or angry. And I hope that I can be that way. Um, of course, she had to put up with my daddy, too, so he was a stinker from time to time. Um, but anyhow, as the song said, she was the wind beneath my wings. She's my hero. Thank you all for coming, and I love each of you, and she did, too. Mama loved the garden. She really did. Beautiful place to see things grow. And um, as much as she loved the garden, she loved to watch all of us grow. And uh, I'm so grateful for that. I come to the garden alone While the dew is still on the roses 
and the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses, and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me i am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known he speaks and the sound of his voice is so sweet the birds hush their singing and the melody that he gave to me within my heart is ringing and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me i am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known i'd stay in the garden with him Though the night around me be falling, but he bids me go with the voice of woe, his voice to me is calling, and he walks with me and he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own, and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Today I am um, I'm reading uh, from Ms. Thrasher's Bible, King James Bible. She received it on her birthday in 2011, and um, I love the fact that it's good and beat up. It's well-worn. It was used. You can tell this Bible did not just sit on a coffee table as an item of display, but it was a daily part of her life. I love that. I'll try to keep my remarks uh, short. Uh, note, try. But I will try because we've uh, heard that uh, wonderful eulogy and, and, and this uh, wonderful um, obituary. But I, um, I want to read um, from the book of, of James. I don't have a, a, a standard um, funeral passage. I try to think about people and their lives and, and see where the Lord leads for, um, for each service. And for Miss Thrasher, uh, this passage from James chapter 2 came to mind. 
James chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. And what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. As I think about... Uh, Ms. Thrasher, I have to think uh, uh, um, about the fact that she was so clear-minded. I'm not talking about the, the last few months, and, and, and lots of times she was clear-minded then, but other times the medicines and, and the aging of her body made her maybe not quite as clear, but as you think about her life, clear-minded, that idea, that thought just resonates with everything I think about her. She had a, a way, a clear-minded way of thinking and looking at the world. We, we've all heard about people and we've known people who are educated beyond their intelligence, right? Well, she was one of these that was intelligent far beyond her education. She had a wisdom that was unmatched by most of the people I've ever met in my life. She had a great way of looking at things. She was clear-minded about possessions. She never had a great deal of what this world might call the finer things of life. And her life might be viewed as a simple life, not an easy life, but it could be viewed as a simple life, but only in the most positive connotation. Possessions for her had value for the practical things that they accomplished or for how they might bless other people or for how she was blessed by the, the expression of love by the one who had given her a gift. Miss Lorene um, never confused material possessions with her worth. I want you to get that. She never confused material possessions with her worth, or for that matter, anybody's worth. They were not the same thing. She had a clear-minded way of thinking about relationships. She never met a stranger. She was always welcoming people into her home. I know at the times when I went to visit her, there was never a time that I wasn't on my way out that she said, now you come again. And for some people, as they said that, as they invited you back, you're thinking, well, they say that, but they don't mean it. But she meant it. She really wanted you to come back. She had a way of making you feel good about yourself. There was a, we'll talk a little bit more about her faith later on, but she obviously, she loved uh, this church, uh, was just a vital, integral part of this church for many, many, many years. And um, she, um, she got to that place that was so hard when, when a couple, two or three years ago, just got to where she just couldn't come like she wanted to. And, and so um, I, I would, you know, uh, on occasion, I would go see her and I would, you know, try to talk to her and maybe fill her in on some things going on at the church. And, and, um, and then she may tell me something she'd heard. And, and I, I don't know, it was about the probably about the third, fourth time I went to do this, and 
And I was kind of giving her this list of, of things that were going on. Well, this person's sick, and this person's in the hospital, and this person had a baby. And, and I was kind of rattling some things off. And, and then I, I said one thing, and uh, about this one's in the hospital. She said, her eyes got big. She said, oh, I didn't know that. I realized all this stuff I was telling her, she knew already. <laughs> she was up on it. I mean, she had the information system going on, and I actually shocked her, you know, way down the line. And I realized how patiently she'd been listening to me that whole time, informing her of stuff she already knew. She knew how to accept a person without agreeing with their behavior. I remember a particular occasion where she told me about a person, well, they know that's not right, and they know how I feel about it, and now all I can do is love them. She was going to be clear about what was right and wrong, but she was also going to be clear that she loved this person. And, you know, we have such trouble with that. Often we go to extremes. Either we say, well, I'm having nothing to do with you if you don't behave the way that you should behave, or we say, you know what, what you're doing isn't wrong at all, and we try to just pretend like it's not there. But she could clearly look at a person and say, hey, you know what, this isn't right. You're not right with the Lord, and, and this needs to change. But she could also say, I love you. And you knew that she meant both of those things. What was right was right, and what that she loved you, that was certain. She had a clear-minded way of thinking about all these things, uh, certainly about work. Uh, she, as we've already heard, she worked hard her entire life. She worked with her family. Uh, her hands were used to bless others. Uh, all of the stuff that I've heard about um, the, the, the quilting class she taught and about the, the cakes and the pies and this, people were telling me about fried pies, and I was getting so jealous. I'm like, oh, I, you know, I, I didn't ever get one of those. But, um, you know, she was... Uh, she just worked hard. She understood that hard work was of value. It produced character. And, you know, she, she never quit working hard. It just was that these last few years, working hard was what it took just to keep going, you know, just, just to keep functioning and living. And, 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 but she didn't give up. Um, I really, as a pastor, you know, you might think a senior adult that you might anticipate one day doing their funeral, but I always kind of thought, I'm not sure. I might be gone before she is. You know, I just, I, I, I thought she might outlive us all because she worked so hard. And she was clear-minded about her faith. She understood that faith is not this separate thing, well, here's our life, my regular life, and, and here's my faith. Uh, here's the, here's the, uh, normal, secular stuff, and, and here's the sacred stuff. Now, she didn't believe in compartmentalizing or separating or disintegrating her life in that way. For her, her faith and her life were bound together, and her faith was woven into everything that she did. It was just part of who she was. The way she loved people, the way she worked hard, the way that she touched so many lives, that was all an outworking of her faith in her life. She understood this passage uh, from James. I, I, I think J she and James would have got along really, really well. Because James is kind of the no-nonsense 
uh, writer of the New Testament. You know, Paul can get very high and lofty with some of his theology, and, and James is, he's just kind of preaching it how it is. You know, he's just kind of telling it, you, know, you people that say you have faith, oh, you say you believe, great, but where's the evidence in your life? How has that, that belief, how has it actually worked its way into your life? He asked that question, he said, because what good is it? What good is a faith that some little compartmentalized separate thing that you think about on Sundays and say, I believe, but the rest of the week, it doesn't impact who you are. He said a real faith is active and living and produces good works in our lives. And we could see that in Miss Thrasher's life. It was simply an outpouring of her faith in Jesus you'll bear with me a moment, I want to share something just, just personally, uh, just in my own life. I, I happened to be visiting with my mother um, this past weekend, and I lost my dad last May, May the 2nd. You know, people handle death differently, and some people go through everything right, immediately right away, and, and, and other people, um, you know, wait a while, and my mom's kind of been on that wait a while thing. She just really hasn't touched much, and so before I left um, to come back up here, she said, come here, Tim, I want to share something. And she, she went in my dad's closet, and all of his stuff is still hanging in there. And, and she brought a, um, there was a, a shoebox. It's like a brand-new shoebox. And, and she brought it out, and she said, these were dad's. He got these, but he really didn't even hardly get to wear them at all before he got sick and couldn't go to church anymore. And, and, and I'd like you to have them. And I was, you know, kind of, wow, okay, I, I, I didn't know about this, and I, I put them on, and, and, and I said, okay, well, this, they fit, they, they work. And I'm wearing those shoes today. And I thought about, it's really cool, but also really strange that I'm filling my father's shoes. I can't be my dad. But wearing these shoes makes me think about him and the life and the character, the things he taught me. Uh, I, I don't know which of you family will inherit any clothing or, or, or true shoes, but all of you now have an opportunity to fill her shoes. There, there's not going to be another Miss Thrasher, Miss Lorraine Thrasher. Uh, she's one of a kind, right? All of you nodded your heads. I like that. You all just in unison. That was great. She's one of a kind, and yet she left that legacy. Yet she left a pattern of life, an example for really not just you family, especially you, but really for all of us. She left a legacy for us to follow. I like the last part of this obituary. I, I cut short before I read the end. It says, A true embodiment of what it means to have a servant's heart Miss Thrasher recently lamented that she was no longer physically able to help those in need. You've done your time. It's our turn now, she was told in response. The torch has been passed. May her spirit of giving shine on all those who knew her. And then the words of Matthew 25, 21. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. I believe that if there's anyone that's ever heard those words, that she heard them. 
That moment that she walked into glory, into eternity, I believe she heard, well done. And you know, all of us will have a day like that. All of us will have a day in which we enter into the Lord's presence as we pass from this life. And one thing about the Lord, he loves us, but he's also going to be honest with us. If we want to hear those words, well done, then we need to do well. And that begins with thinking about our faith. Two questions we all have to ask ourselves. Number one, do you believe? Simply, do I put my faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died on Calvary for me, paid the price for my sins? Have I put my faith in him? But secondly, is your faith alive and active, producing good works, just as Miss Thrasher's faith produced good works in her that blessed every single one of us who are here today? Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we come to you. And Father, we pray, we ask, we beg of you. Let the life and legacy of Miss Thrasher, Lord, we know that she now dwells with you in heaven. But Father, we pray that her legacy that it would be active, that it would not be forgotten, but God, it would continue to reverberate throughout history. Lord, that as we are touched by her love, by her kindness, by her hard work, by her faith, God, that, that we would in turn not only appreciate those things, but Lord, we would learn to imitate them. We would learn to put them into practice in our own lives beginning with a faith in your son Jesus, but Lord, extending into growing deeper and closer to him, becoming more like him, that will make us more loving and kind to the world around us. Thank you so much for her wonderful life. Father, may you help us to follow her example. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.